Welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. My name is Chloe Rodriguez. I am your host. Today's episode, we are going to be talking to one of my very best friends in the whole world, Jana Frank. I met Jana years ago in college. We were both at the CSUN improv team and both ran the improv team together. And she is one of the most talented people I know. She's so creative, she's an amazing improviser, and she's been able to use the improv skills that she has honed over the years to get a lot of experience in unconventional acting jobs. And I thought this would be a great episode to make a whole podcast on. Because usually when you think of acting in Los Angeles, you think of television and film and commercial gigs. But there's actually so much more that you can do with acting and improv experience, and Jana is a great example of that. If you guys are unfamiliar with the basics of improv, there's short form and there is long form improv. In short form improv, you are essentially creating small snippets of scenes without a script, and these revolve around some kind of a game or hoop to them, such as you know, every line of the scene has to start with the next letter of the alphabet, or everyone has to speak in questions, or there is a controller, and at any time that controller can make you rewind or replay something that you've done in the scene thus far. Uh, Short form is really, really fun. If you want an example of short form improv, I highly encourage you to check out the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? You can find tons of clips from that show on YouTube, and you will see the gods of short-form improv, Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles and Wayne Brady, just going all out. It's a great introduction to what short-form improv can be. On the other hand, we have long-form improv. Long-form improv is essentially creating a short one-act play or a series of scenes that all connect to one another and have some sort of continuity to them without a script. So long form is definitely more of a challenge and there's definitely higher stakes, but there's an even higher payoff. You really walk away feeling like you have created something completely original. If you guys have not seen an improv show in person, Uh, I know everything is closed down right now, but once we are free of the chains of social distancing, I highly encourage you to either check out The Second City, or The Groundlings, or UCB, and get an example of what it's like to experience improv in person. There's nothing more... (laughs) It's so hard to describe the feeling of being an audience member in an improv show and knowing that everything that's happening has never happened on stage before. It hasn't been rehearsed. You are experiencing something fresh and new firsthand. It's an incredible feeling, and I highly encourage you to check it out. But without further ado, let me take you to my Zoom conversation that I had with Jana Frank. We talked all about her unconventional acting jobs, how she has utilized improv to get these jobs, and some of the hobbies that she participates in to keep these improv skills fresh in her mind. If you like this podcast, be sure to leave us a five-star rating, leave a review, and maybe go check out our Instagram, at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez, because that is the best way to keep up with updates on the podcast. Let's get into today's episode. What's up? <laughs> that was such a like a chill greeting. <laughs> it was it was super cringy. I apologize. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited too. Oh my goodness! Yay! <laughs> you sound scared. You don't sound excited. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited. I just don't want you know my big loud voice to overpower anything. <laughs> Oh my god, no. I'm always like booming every time I every time I'm editing something, I'm like, all right, better bring myself down, better bring that other person way up. Cause I feel like when I get excited, I just start screaming. <laughs> well, you and I met through our improv club, and mm-hmm. we were even uh, in charge of the team together for a little while. 
That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Those kids were like so talented and so gifted. We're going to take credit for all of their success. If any of them become famous, we're going to be like, <laughs> we were in charge. <laughs> that was we, so us. <laughs> we taught them forward reverse in 2015. <laughs> Growing shrinking machine, yeah. forget about it. We play growing <laughs> shrinking machine every day. <laughs> Put them through their paces exactly. for their country. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about your experience uh, getting your degree from CSUN. Would you recommend? How was the program in general? Because I was not a, a film uh, specialty. I was a screenwriting specialty there. Right. I remember. <laughs> well, I'm the audience doesn't know, Jana. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. They don't know. She was like, I know all of these things. Why are you recapping it with me? Do you not believe I have other people listening? <laughs> <laughs> of course I I know you have other people listening. Um, it was it was kind of it was interesting. My particular like um emphasis in sound design and production. It was because I needed to know the technology in order, I felt like, to get an actual job in the field. The people who were working at the, in the actual department had jobs in the actual industry still. They were still working it and knowing all these contacts and everything. And it's a great, it's a great program, but it's mm -hmm. definitely not for everybody, especially for those students who think that, you know, school's a waste of time or they could just <laughs> be like, I want to be a director and <laughs> they didn't want to be anything else. Oh my God. So, yeah. The calling card of every film major, every single person wanted to be a director. We would yeah. go around the room and this was even in like screenwriting classes. Yeah. Every CTVA class I had, we'd go around the room and people would be like, I'm going to be the next Scorsese. There were, there were clicks. There were definite like clicks. The cameramen were like the jocks, like. Oh my God, they totally were too. Oh my gosh. They all did CrossFit and like met at the gym together. It was hilarious. This is such like niche, like film student humor, but I don't care. This needs to be spread. People need to know. People need, that's it. We are going beyond the veil here. Like we're exposing film school right here right now. The screenwriters. The screenwriters were all the dreamers who were like, I'm definitely going to be rich from this. I don't care what anyone says. And like, <laughs> but then we would all eat like Hot Pockets in between class and just like all had no money. <laughs> and yet had like the most to say out of anyone. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. And all the sound people would get together like once a week and just talk about how horrible <laughs> they were doing it because they were like oh my director's changing my script on me again uh. and we were just so tired of it and done and just being like can you please just be quiet so you can get some sound in here please it was great no it was it's a lot of fun um and you know having to pay pretty much everything on my own it was it was totally worth it I don't regret a single time because I learned so much about you know what the industry was like and what people what people were actually like in it. Your work ethic to me is just like so impressive. I like oftentimes when we were in charge of improv together I was just like oh Jana's keeping me on track like she will <laughs> she will I my instinct is to always be like let's have fun and goof around and I was so happy you were there to rein me in sometimes. Like, I was like maybe we should talk about yes and today. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should like do something aside from just talk to one another about how our weekend was. It, you know, uh, it's it, and you helped me a lot too because of the you know I I have a tendency of kind of going really serious because it's like improv was is still super important to me. Yeah, and you know I just wanted to make sure that everyone was like, they knew the, the craft, you know, but um, it, 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 it's also about having fun. <laughs> yeah. Not having fun is not exactly conducive to college life, or so I'm told. <laughs> we were a good balance. Yes. For sure. The yin to the yang, as it were. Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's better. Good cop, bad cop. That's, that's, yeah. 
Well, start skiing the hutch. <laughs> I really wanted to talk to you about all of the jobs that you've had, uh, <laughs> both during CSUN and also post grad. Mm. Um, because you're one of those rare people who I feel like, I feel like every time I'm talking to you or every time we catch up, you have like a different kind of like odd job or like yes. something, <laughs> yeah, like something else that you found that you've been working on. And that's so interesting to me. And a lot of these jobs, you have utilized your improv skills, your acting skills, your film skills in a way that I don't think people usually like consider. And since you also have like experience in some like traditional like film style acting and stuff like that and being mm -hmm. on set, that would be a nice comparison for us to talk about. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think I'm going to start with the thing that I think you've been doing for the longest, which is LARPing. Am yes. I, am I incorrect here? Or am I incorrect? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's LARP and Ren Faire has been, has been an intermingled thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so your Ren Faire stuff, it's, it's like fair to say that like being a Renaissance actor is, essentially LARP, right? It, it, for, for the most part, yeah. People, that's where LARP kind of got started, is uh, historical reenactment fairs like that. So the thing is with LARP, it's like you're playing a game where in the Renaissance fair, it's like you're trying to be historically accurate as possible while also be entertaining. Mm -hmm. LARP is a hobby with it, where Ren Fair sometimes is a job and I got paid Sometimes <laughs> be able to do it to be able to do run fair where I had to pay in order to do LARP. So mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah, that's so funny. It that, like for the hobby you have to pay, but you turned it into a way to make money, which exactly is great. <laughs> because of the best kinds of jobs or when you can like turn something that you love into something that can actually maybe be a little uh, pay you some bills a little bit. It's a little lucrative, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so live action role play. This yes. is something that I have not done before. Uh, I know this isn't like your your paid gig, but I think it's important for us to go over it so that people can understand your like Renaissance gig. Sure. Um, so do you want to just kind of go into the basics of what it's like to take part in a live action role play? Sure. Um, the one that I used to do it was set in a uh, dystopian future <laughs> um, with zombies in it. So it was a survival, basically like a camp out. You would go and we would, we actually, funny story, the one that we had was actually in a um, Renaissance village, a permanent uh, place where they had like Renaissance festivals. So all of it was still in the in the Renaissance like town where we would be pretending it's like the year twenty fifty five or whatever. So this so, okay, so this was this was, let me get this straight. So in reality, you were doing this in a Renaissance time period set, but you yes. were pretending that it was a futuristic set. I never said it made sense. And there were also zombies. <laughs> there was also zombies, yes. <laughs> okay, it's all coming together. <laughs> it was a three-day camp out of like super crazy intense. You were literally in character the entire time. You were, uh, um, for people who know, it's, it's basically like you're playing a video game of like um, a role-playing video game like Skyrim or something like that. But you are in character... 24-7 for those three days. You mm -hmm. sleep in character, you wake up in character, zombies might come out if you don't have good enough walls, come out and like drag you out of the tent and you have to like, <laughs> oh. you know, at three o'clock in the morning. It's It was nuts and it was just like, the weather was crazy. You'd be dressed up like your character. Some people would have like massive prosthetics that they had on their face all the time. It was like environmental theater times 100 and it was and then there'd be times when you were like supposed to actually like be a zombie your npc so non-playable character mm -hmm. so you'd go into like operation the operations area 
and they'd fit you in like zombie makeup and tell you and go through zombie school of like what type of zombie you were and then you'd go out and hit people with giant foam bats it was great <laughs> that is incredible it's, it was a lot of fun <laughs> Wait, so did you did you get to decide i'm showing up as my character or i'm gonna show up and be a zombie or did you do both we you could do both um you pay to be the character that you you know did the costume for and stuff like that mm -hmm. but if you wanted to go and just be a zombie for three days you didn't have to pay anything you could just go and help the event Oh my be itself God. and it happened once a month so you'd be out there for three days in a tent regardless of the weather and you know pretend to eat people it was it was awesome <laughs> that's insane how do it's, you maintain being in character for that long like what that's, is the process to kind of train yourself to get into that mindset that was that was the hardest part for me and that's the reason why I had to stop doing it because it was such a harsh environment and the the concept of not racism but speciesism was a thing there and the character that I played was like part fish and they didn't and they and like the the town didn't like that so it was like there was you had to like step into the shoes of like the second that I put on my costume and became this uh, this character, it was it was like a through an entire process of like, it was like a ritual. I had to put on gills and like make my face all scaly and to go to the creek to fish, and it was because you were so immersed in this thing, you eat, eat live, breathe this character the entire time. And especially, you know, when I made it, I made it to feel natural for me, almost not the fish part, because I'm not a fish, but I mean, <laughs> like the personality, you get to choose the type of personality that they are. So it's like uh -huh. an extension of yourself. And it's, it's almost like therapy, almost like if I were to get into this altercation with this person, how would I act? And it, I mean, it was easy enough once I put on the makeup and became my fishy self, then it, it was like, okay, this is this is interest. This is it. You know, it was kind of like putting on a mask and being like, here I am. This is it. You know? Wow. So, yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> I've, never really, I've never really asked you to go into detail about this before. Like mm -hmm. I've known for years that you've done this, but like, I don't think we've ever sat around really and like talked about it in depth. And this is like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy and it's like this is just one game out of like tons of them that are out there there's one that's just fantasy based there's one that's like a vampire one there's larps everywhere so you just look and see which one fits you and you know highly recommend it especially for acting if you want to do good for acting and staying in character this will kind of force you to be that for three days <laughs> yeah honestly Wow. Yeah. So how did you, uh, how did you utilize those skills that you picked up during your LARPs uh, to help you with your gig working at the Renaissance Fair? Oh, did, since Renaissance Fair came first, it was actually the other way around. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It was like, um, the, but it helped me a lot with customer interaction because it was, because I didn't, most of my stuff was negative, <laughs> not negative, but like, because again, the whole speciesism thing, mm -hmm. I was able to deal with customers who were not as nice. And that was always an issue because it was like, I would kind of shut down and kind of go back into my introverted self, be like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to hurt you. But being <laughs> able to be like, kind of like this sassy fish lady, would you be able to give me more comebacks? <laughs> with everything really to be able to stand up for myself and stuff like yeah. that so yeah do you find that like when you're because in real life I wouldn't necessarily say that you're a shy person but, <laughs> but it took a lot of work <laughs> but I would me. say like I mean you're not the type of person who's gonna be like that person was messing with me I'm gonna go to like beat the shit out of them like no no I wouldn't do that no <laughs> like you tend to be like more willing to like talk things through with people when there's a yes. problem. But do you think that uh, 
it's easier for you to become like more aggressive with people like if you're in character and you're not <laughs> oh gosh yes yes 500 times yes if i'm acting as a different person then it's like it's so much easier to be that much more aggressive but again not like i'm gonna go beat them up but being able to <laughs> being able to stand up for myself more and yeah. after yeah so it's like i changed guilds after i stopped do, after i stopped doing that particular larp to get more of that to be more not aggressive again not aggressive but more kind of in your face more mm -hmm. stretching the character out kind of you know mm -hmm. i remember when i came I still think about like what a great experience this was when I went to the Renaissance Fair to see you in action mm -hmm. uh, and your character was, I don't know what they were technically called, but they were like the, the Bible thumpers of Puritans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Puritans of the Ren Fair. Oh, uh, and gosh. had such a great time following you around and trying to get you to crack. And, uh, you were so good. Thanks. You were yelling at me. You were shaming me, making me feel properly judged. You nailed it, girl. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. That's my job. <laughs> it's hard to be the villain all the time, you know? It's like the entire that entire concept is like I'm trying to hold a mirror to society and the people that are in it. And it's just like we, we use satire and just be like, you know, this is the stuff that you actually believe in. We're just imitating it and making it even more absurd in this historical time period. And it was like, I don't think I would have been able to do that if I didn't push for that, you know, yeah. it was, and because it's hard for people to tell you that you're wrong and you're terrible and it's, you're the worst. And it's like, yeah. That's the point, <laughs> but somebody's got to do it, <laughs> you know. I have um, I have some questions about performing at the Renaissance Fair that are probably like very basic to you, but I, I don't sure. really know what the answers are. Um, well, first off, how many like cycles of Ren Fair have you done? Since I was 18, so I am 31 now. <laughs> so a lot. We lots lots of cycles. Yeah, the last a couple, count. couple under your belt. <laughs> just, 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 yeah, several. Yeah. Um, it, I, we I first went when I was like sixteen, and I didn't stop going. This is the first year because of COVID that I haven't been able to go or perform. Mm -hmm. So, in since I was eighteen, so lots. <laughs> <laughs> And um, when you became a performer, or just, does this, like, does your role there change every year? Are there, like, auditions that you have to attend? Or is it, like, once you're in, you're in, and you're staying for it, the next few years? It depends. Um, you know, for when I first got into it, it was more of, like, you auditioned for the certain group that you want. Because when you go, when you go to the fair, it's not just one gigantic group of people all kind of doing the same exact thing. People yeah. like, think it's like you put on a bodice and it's just boom, you're, you work at the Renaissance fair. That's, there's so much, there's so much more that goes to it. And mm -hmm. each guild, each guild or group has a different, um, like class setup, like you have people who are super wealthy, then you have see people who are super poor, and you have people kind of in the middle, and each of them have like their different interests in the way that they operate and interact with people. So because of the improv thing, I wanted to lean more towards the heavy, heavy customer interaction. Mm -hmm. And I started off with the mongers who are the people who pretend to sell stuff, because back in the day, there were no grocery stores and things like that. It was people who were had like the fish monger or the vegetable monger, or they'd sell services like midwifery or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um, after that, after several years of doing that, then I felt like, okay, now I can go into the Puritans where instead of selling stuff, it's like we were the people before the Mayflower, the people who came to America to, you know, <laughs> Be, be be the people that we we know now <laughs> uh -huh. and it was just like that extreme version of it 
So I had to, I had to audition for both of those things. It wasn't like they would take you because it's open for everybody, but you would have to audition for super heavy customer interaction ones mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, you have people who are, you know, born <laughs> into guilds and just, they just are accepted that way, but then they go off to another guild if they want to. Wait, like, like they're, children are born into guilds basically yeah you have people who marry other people who are part of the renaissance fair and then you have those kids that grew up playing in that particular guild and they're like i'm done my parents do this i want to go off and do something else if they still want to do rents there and you have people like that all the time like generations actually it's pretty i never thought of that before yeah i don't remember I guess I don't remember if there were like kids running around like the Ren fit. I Oh yeah. Like, are there babies dressed up in like little Renaissance garb? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. I have a friend who has a daughter who I watched from she was like youngest I saw her, she was three years old. Mm-hmm. She's now twelve and she's just like she, she mongs it up every season, just like she was <laughs> Itty bitty was carrying around with carried around with her little with her little wagon. I have a friend who just got a who's in the Puritans who has a baby and they taught her how to say sinners. Oh my god! It's <laughs> the funniest that. thing. It's adorable and they love it. They love it. <laughs> That's insane. So there are people yeah. who like are growing up where like every time the Renaissance Fair is open, they're like, guys, I'm. I'm part of this now. And they just exactly. like, this is what they know. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a big family community thing. <laughs> and it was very sad when it got canceled this season. So yeah. we were devastated, but you know. <laughs> I know I'm bummed. I would have loved to come see you again. Yeah. It was such we a would have loved to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on from Ren Fair, I have to know, much like, uh, much like the prejudice against fish people in mm. your, in your LARP, mm-hmm. are, is there like a hierarchy of like roles in the Renaissance fair where they're like, ooh, Ch- Chad's gonna be the blacksmith this year, so he's running the place, like, I don't know. The backstage politics is insane sanity when it comes to the roles. <laughs> there are people who think that the queen is actually the queen. <laughs> it's like it they take it so seriously the people who really go heavy on the historical reenactment side and they like they refuse to be called anything but their character name because it's based on an actual person um i've seen people like first day of workshops go in and be like completely garbed up in their in their outfits i'm like don't you wear anything else <laughs> this is just a hobby you know it's okay to just hang out and chill it's fine but i mean like, like i was born in these clothes and i'll <laughs> die in these clothes <laughs> exactly you need you need those you need those people i mean <laughs> the the whole purpose of it was that they were supposed to be teaching the time period to kids so you need people like that to balance off the nutballs like me that just want to have fun and enjoy <laughs> themselves you know so but there's absolutely a hierarchy of you know characters and things like that uh, yeah totally that's amazing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> are the is the Puritans your favorite uh, guild that you've done so far? Five hundred, five hundred percent. There is no other guild that's better than the Puritans, and anyone who says otherwise is <laughs> damned. <laughs> oh, they're gonna come for you. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I get so many Fight other me. Renaissance guilds in my comments. <laughs> We're gonna get her. <laughs> They're just jealous. <laughs> We've started a bit of a war now. <laughs> That's fine. It's literally our shtick is saying that we're better than everybody else, and then it turns out that we're terrible. So, I mean, <laughs> let them come. I've been trading for this day. Oh, I love it. I, you, I think you told me that I kind of, I gotcha when I came. I got you in trouble. You did. I did you. <laughs> Explain what happened. <laughs> oh my god! You're allowed to. Are you allowed to tell this story? I I mean, 
I've been in so much trouble, so I'm trying <laughs> to remember. This is a great example of like what a recommendation. A recommendation is that a real word? Sure, why not? Get <laughs> a real word now. This is what being reprimanded is like in the Renaissance. A recommendation. Yep. I think I think you asked me a Bible question, if yes. I remember correctly. So I I went. You were a Puritan. I grew up in the church. I mm. knew that you had not grown up in the uh, nope. Protestant <laughs> church. Nope. And so while you were in your Puritan character, I was giving you some Bible trivia to see if you could keep up. And <laughs> that's right. Now I remember. I think I uh, almost stumped you. And then you, at the last second, you pulled it up. I asked you what your favorite verse was. And I saw and the fear in your eyes for a split moment. <laughs> <laughs> the, my guild master, he was like, how dare you not know? That was like, that's like a fake reprimand. That was more <laughs> of a, Oh, you should, you need to be practicing more. Um, but I got, I got, I got hit, quote unquote. We do a lot of stage combat stuff. So we ended up having a whole full on brawl on the street and that was fun. <laughs> wow. So, so this will be, now this podcast will be the second time that I instigate a fight between you and other people at the Renaissance. <laughs> We get trained for that, though. That's, that's, again, bring it on. I'm so Perfect. ready. She's ready. Jana is fully prepared. Giving you the fake one-two punches like you never would believe. Oh, my goodness. Um, so let's move on. The past few years, you have also been working for an improv group called Improv City. Yes. And uh, I did go to see one of your shows a while ago, a couple yeah, of years oh back, gosh. I think. Yeah. The years all blend together. I don't know what yeah. was this year and what wasn't at this point. Who knows? <laughs> I look back, I'm like, okay, it was a time when I was out of the house. So I know it wasn't 2020, but other than that, <laughs> I don't know when it was. Yeah. Um, but you, how did you uh, end up finding this improv group? The craziest thing, I actually found it, again, through Renfair. Oh, yeah? <laughs> a lot, yeah. A lot, of my, um, a lot of my contacts and job offers and a lot of things that I ended up doing professionally is you, it all kind of stems from Renfair. And it was like somebody there was talking about how I, sh I wanted to do more improv stuff normal improv stuff instead of just run wearing <laughs> non-character like improv yeah stuff. yeah I mean like because improv is like can be anything mm -hmm. so somebody actually recommended improv city and that they were having auditions and I decided to audition and I ended up getting in and it was awesome Woo! yeah <laughs> I was so proud of you yeah you're sweet <laughs> you get a you get paid for your performances um sometimes it depends on if we do like a if we did a remote uh performance we would get like a small a small amount of money but it was not like not enough for me to be like a, it'd be a full-time job yeah um but i did get paid if i taught classes or did other extracurricular stuff with the troupe but actual you know on stage performances no <laughs> You are like the only, one of the only people I know, if not the only person I know, who has like made any sort of money off of doing improv, which I think is a considerable accomplishment. Like, thank you. <laughs> it's really hard to like actually do it and even earn like five dollars. <laughs> yeah, it, I got really lucky. It was it's it's been it's been a riot. I love it. I love doing improv stuff anyway. So it was, it's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And from that you started like teaching improv classes through them, like not just performing. Oh yeah. Yeah. We would have open classes every Monday evening. Mm -hmm. And when you, I had a, a Monday open, if I wasn't working or anything, I would all volunteer to do basically improv for improv for professionals, basically just like what you can use it in for your everyday life and stage and film and all that other fun stuff. How do you like approach uh, teaching a class? It's, it, it depends on who is in my class. If I get like a bunch of people who are veterans, people who come from like 
the improv schools of old, ye old, like the groundlings and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, th- then we go over more traditional methods and ways of improving on listening and communication, because that's the, that's the big one I feel like with improv people, because again, they're actors. <laughs> They have a tendency of just kind of like thinking that the scene is all about them and they want to drive the scene a certain way. And it's like, no, 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 no. You you receive the things uh-huh. from the other people. But people who never did improv before, it's I focus more on like how you can use it in your everyday life with everything that you do, not just with, you know, if you're on stage or on doing a commercial or something. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of yes and and a lot of character work and a lot of walking as yourself and things like that so Mm -hmm. so it's like it's kind of like a improv 101 each time for a different Mm -hmm. person and then there are people who like really enjoy it and they come every single monday and then they and then they usually go for the actual audition days of like trying to join us or they join somebody else or something Mm -hmm. like that so and then we actually have a lot of stand-up comedians that come in and do that as like a refresher course to try oh, nice. and make it big. Yeah. So can you uh, can you tell the difference in attitude between the stand-up comedians, the uh, improvisers, and then the actors? Like absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You could tell in a heartbeat. You know exactly who they're going to be. I was like, you're a you're a stand-up comedian, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, you usually know the stand-up comedians are usually the ones who, you know, they try to make the scene all about them and they're very driven to make the scene keep going in uh-huh. that particular direction. And it's always like, remember, this is a team exercise. <laughs> and then the improvisers are just very loud and theatrical and they're moving their bodies all over the place. Yeah. And you're like, cool, okay, tone it down a little bit. Let's try doing a serious scene this time maybe not use that same character voice that you've had in your pocket <laughs> over and over again you know it's the tropey things the tropey acting things <laughs> well from having done improv with you for like a couple of years and like we we improved with a lot of the same people over those years <laughs> like yes don't you don't you just like love that moment where like you've been improving with someone for a long time you like kind of know how they work and then you do a scene together and you like toss them something that you're like, I really, really hope that they pick up on this. Like I'm, yes. I'm trying to throw them something here. I hope that they get it and they fucking like knock it out of the park. It's like a magic moment. You're giving them a present and it's like this weird inside joke between the two of you. And then the audience gets it and then you two get it. And you like, you feel like freaking geniuses when you yes. do it and you're like, yeah, that was the best wasn't it we were so good together you just like and I felt it I've only felt it like a few times because it's really really hard to like cultivate with someone but there's just like that moment where you're like we're completely in sync in this scene like I know where they're taking it they know where I take it like we are just on a one-track mind here somehow that is just nothing is better than that and that's what I strive for every single time that it's just like I usually, I'm a, I'm a follower, like 510%. Every time that I get in, in there, I'm like, I give them a hook and I'm like, Mm -hmm. take it. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Please take it. Please. I beg you. Oh, you don't like that one? How about this one? Does this please you master? (laughs) I feel like I'm like a guider. Like, I feel like I try to guide the the scene somewhere and if it's not getting there then I'm like okay like we'll go somewhere else but like when we're stuck I feel like I'm usually the person in the scene who's like I got it (laughs) like I figured it out (laughs) here we go we're gonna save it (laughs) this is the direction we're going okay yeah like oh this is tanking you know what here we go like (laughs) follow me (laughs) that's the truth (laughs) (laughs) oh my god how are you feeling so far Jana I am incredibly sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to doing uh, LARPing, Ren Faire, getting paid to do improv and teach improv, you've also worked on more traditional style acting projects. Um, I know you've done a lot of sound work. 
but yes. you told me something that I did not know is that you've actually done some acting on uh, some different independent projects. Yes. Can you tell me about that a little? Why are you um, looking like I'm trapping you? <laughs> no, it was because they were, I, I don't, I don't, fi I didn't find them good. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's not, great. That's interesting. When I was younger, uh, like when I say younger, I'm like talking like 15, 16, I did this, I used to be in this community theater and the guy that was the director for it was doing a short film. He was like, if you could, I could pay you SAG rates for this part in a movie. And it was the first time I was like in an actual professional like movie set. Oh, wow. And it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> It was odd. Um, I just, I played this bit part where I was supposed to like be broken up with by mm -hmm. this guy. And the, the entire, the entire experience was just like this super surreal thing because in theater and in improv, you can just keep going. It's mm -hmm. just like, if something doesn't work, you can keep trying and it's fine and whatever. And in theater, you get like that one shot and you get a script and that's it. But with the film part, they want you to do it the same way every single time <laughs> so that the editing can remain consistent right yeah. but you know when you're 15 16 you don't know that and you're just kind of like why am I? this looks dumb why am i doing it this way can i please do it a different way why am i looking straight into this gigantic soulless camera lens mm -hmm. and it was just like i did other like bit parts with other independent student films and things like that and it was never it never really spoke to me because it was like I felt like a I felt like somebody else's puppet you know it was <laughs> like some I was just like I was expected to do this particular role and even though I could memorize lines like super easily I was still trapped on in what the director wanted me to do there was not as much freedom in that and so i just decided to go for, for sound instead because <laughs> you get to have more creativity with that the acting yeah. part the acting part for films is it's more like you have to tap into the all these various emotions and it's like oh wow wow you did such a good job okay we're done with you bye and you're yeah. just <laughs> that's it <laughs> i worked all this time for five seconds it's like <laughs> my my step my mom's second husband was he he did acting for years and he mm. said the exact same thing where he was like trying desperately to get into the field and he would get these bit parts and commercials and modeling and like married with children and um friggin um murder she wrote mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was like that it, it was just these five seconds of him being on the screen working his butt off to embody waiter number two yeah you know and just nothing there's just there's no creativity there yeah so it's hard <laughs> yeah. it's hard to get into that so i really respect people who do that a lot like i give them a hard time when i am in <laughs> sound but you know to be perfectly honest they're the people who work sometimes the hardest out of everybody you know yeah, acting is like, I mean, especially in LA and doing TV and film stuff, it's incredibly emotionally taxing. Yeah, that's you have to have a real thick skin for it, yeah. That's why there's that stereotype of like the crazy, like Hollywood diva and stuff, because it just, it messes with you. Like you have to, you're either going to become incredibly insecure or like the most confident person in the world for like making it through. And you, it's like, think about the, also the concept of like, there is absolutely casting for a type because mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen both sides of the coin of like, because I'm not traditionally looking a certain way, I would only be getting, like, I would always play the crazy person. Always. <laughs> Every part that I got, I was like the crazy tarot card reader, the crazy ex-girlfriend, the crazy yeah. whatever. And because it was like, I was able to do the silly thing. But once you get in that rut, man, it's like, they want you to do that forever. Mm -hmm. And apparently you look that particular way and it's so messed up. Yeah. That's how it is. But it, that, that is, that is what it is. Thankfully, it's like Hollywood's changing a little bit. People are being mm -hmm. more open-minded to different things. 
and different roles and different stories so that there's actually like gosh people of color <laughs> being able to be in stuff oh my goodness so i mean it's just like you know and people of different gender preferences and identities and stuff yeah. it's it's silly that that's how it was before but i mean like because it was all the same white dudes doing the exact same movie <laughs> over and over and over again yeah. it was of course they're going to be typecasting people, yeah you know I always wonder, like, I'm always like, dang, like, you need to really know yourself because I, there's just like those certain people that you see play the same role over and over again. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, dude, could you imagine if you were like, well, they put me up for this role and oh, yep, it's uh, the joke is that I look like garbage and that I'm hideously ugly and that no one will ever love me. And yep. oh, I'm I'm the disgusting looking person in this scene. That's the that's why I'm there. That's the joke. Like exactly the yeah. amount of comedy is at like other people's expense, and they're like, I'm the punching bag in this movie again. Like <laughs> once again, here I am. And it's like you actually read a lot about people um, having that that identity crisis of stuff. But mm -hmm. I mean, like, there's um, I can't remember what the guy's name is is the guy that does almost all the special effects stuff for the long linky guy oh i'm so bad um he was in pan's labyrinth he was the guy with the eyes in his hands he was also in uh leave extraordinary gentleman where he was the fish guy <laughs> he was also in the shape of water i feel so bad for not knowing what his name is now but he's like he was is he the fish man he's the fish man in the shape of water and in um Hellboy, Hellboy. That's what it was. He was the the he had the 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 gill apparatus thing. It's driving me crazy. I'm looking up the the fish man. <laughs> I think it's like Peter something. Doug, Doug Jones. That's it. I knew it was like two <laughs> names that were the same thing. He is. You look at him and you're like, how does this guy work for Hollywood this entire time? But every single thing he freaking owns it. He's like, yeah, I'm long and lanky and crazy looking so they make me into these monsters yeah. but, but the funny thing is is like he's not like if you saw him on the street you wouldn't be like oh no like exactly <laughs> like, yeah all of these people who play like hideous creatures in like hollywood movies they're like decent looking in real life but just yeah. like by comparison they're next to like angelina jolie you're like yeah. i guess so <laughs> and that's what i love about that is that it's <laughs> like people i would rather be funny and hideous men <laughs> or crazy or whatever than to be just like you're the girlfriend in this role it's like oh no way i'm getting a tattoo that says i would rather be funny and hideous <laughs> that is my mantra i love that so much <laughs> that's the name of this episode funny and hideous funny and hideous <laughs> getting funny and hideous with chloe and Jan. <laughs> Dude, we should start a podcast and we should start, we should call it Funny, Funny and Hideous. Hideous. Let's do that. <laughs> Trademarked. We're doing it. We're at, oh, Unwatchable's ending today. From now, and here on out, it'll be called Funny and Hideous. Funny but Hideous. <laughs> oh, oh, amazing. Yes. So I think that makes a lot of sense to me because like I personally think that you are like a super talented performer a really great actress but it does it does make sense to me that you would be more attracted to like a project based off of how creative an opportunity it is rather than just like oh it seems prestigious i guess to be like on film yeah i don't care about that <laughs> the more creative the better if it's actually telling a story and using the tools that we have perfectly then i would rather have that rather than be like oh wow this thing has it's this a-list celebrity and it's like i don't care hooray <laughs> i get to be i get to be crazy woman who puts her hands in a bucket of spaghetti <laughs> but, that's the dream role you just described my dream role of course but, yeah. but clint eastwood is there so i'm gonna do it <laughs> It's a walk-on. <laughs> I just love saying that. It's a walk-on. It's a walk-on. <laughs> I'm walk-on here. walk-on here. 
I got three lines. I'm walk on I'm here. I'm doing a walk on here. Hey, oh, Tom Cruise, remember me, the walk on? Remember? <laughs> got off the rails. We always, this is what happens when we, we get together. And this talk is about just one stuff. of our regular conversations. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of teaching the audience anything has fallen by the wayside here. <laughs> there it goes. Goodbye, audience. Oh. It was nice knowing you. All right. Well, let's end off on your current uh, project. <laughs> I, yeah. Jana has a long-standing history of obsession with escape rooms. You don't need to tell them that. <laughs> No, I do. Yes. (laughs) For those of you guys who don't know, although I'm sure you know on some level because escape rooms have become a huge craze in the past like half a decade or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, An escape room is essentially when you go to a themed room and you're locked in by the game master and you have to solve a series of puzzles or riddles in order to escape from the room. You're put on a time limit. Some places you can get clues, some places you can't. There's like different rules uh, at every location for these games to take place. Um, but they're super, super fun. I love escape rooms personally, uh, but I don't love them at the same level that Jana loves them. How yes. many escape rooms do you think you've done, Jana? We're, we're at 65 right now. That's amazing. <laughs> of those 65, how many would you say you've defeated and escaped within the time oh i have an i have an exact number (laughs) yeah most enthusiasts actually keep like excel spreadsheets of like where they've gone what their time limit was all that stuff oh people get nuts about are you at that level yet not quite but i know (laughs) that i have not solved five of them and it was not my fault for those five like four of them it was not my fault one of them was absolutely (laughs) okay you and i did an escape room together Mm -hmm. well i don't remember which number you were on it was my first escape room that was i think second or something or your third it was that that was more of like i was around the i was starting to approach the double digits i was in like 10 12 ish Mm -hmm. area yeah did we win that escape room no we did not Oh, so you're saying that that was one of the rooms where it wasn't your fault, huh? No, that was the one where it was absolutely my fault. That we oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was totally my fault. There was a super easy puzzle. Didn't even look at it. Didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, it's this. But, yeah, of course. But no, it's totally, abso- absolutely, it was just a lack of... <laughs> being smart in that room (laughs) this is a total side tangent but um have you ever done the escape room on hollywood boulevard that's like haunted like hollywood hotel theme yes yes that was the last one i did before COVID happened i did one of those i did the there's fireworks going on if you guys can hear those uh (laughs) i did the attic like the spooky (sighs) attic it was oh knocked my balls off it was oh i wanted to do that one so bad no i got to do the uh the the contagious zombie outbreak one oh that's comforting to do right before you quarantine for covid i how was i supposed (laughs) to not nobody knew (laughs) no yeah no it was awesome it the gosh it was mm, awesome it was so cool it was so freaking cool i loved it oh great great company great great rooms all around yeah those are incredible Mm. you got out of it we didn't get out we're still trapped in there (laughs) (laughs) i'm recording this podcast from that room this is what it looks like with the lights on (laughs) oh i gotta tell them talk to them about their game design because wow i don't know that's not spooky at all highly recommend the hollywood boulevard uh, escape room total side tangent i forgot what it's called but highly recommend those (laughs) um so you have parlayed this uh love of escape rooms into a a career as a what are they called game masters i am at right now i'm an assistant manager at my location so yeah i know uh they we call them uh we call them game hosts where each company tell has a, a different um 
viewpoint on it. Ours is a little bit more leaning towards the professional side. Mm. So, but a lot of them are just like game master, the dungeon master or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, hosts. Yeah, started off with hosting games and stuff. So yeah. How is, um, because a, a lot of game masters at these locations also kind of take on a, I wouldn't necessarily call a character, but kind of oh, a yeah. persona along the lines of the tone of the room. So when you go to the haunted one in Los Angeles, you know, they're that's a very professional one. So they're all dressed up to look like bellhops or to look like they're like in some spooky, scary kind of makeup. Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of like try to add like an element of fear to you as they're like going through their whole spiel before you get in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, every place kind of like does this to a certain degree, varying levels. Absolutely, um, yeah. How how uh, in character are you as a as a host? So much. <laughs> it's like uh, we people the people who work there are all very similar. They all have had theater backgrounds or film backgrounds or something like that. And, but I was not to brag or anything, but I, <laughs> brag away. I, really took that because we didn't they weren't really doing it they were just more like oh this is the theme of the room here you go bye it i took that more of like acting like that was an actual thing like we had like this crazy time machine and we put them into these different scenarios so the, the improv has helped enormously with that mm -hmm. based on you know you have to read what the customers are like and then figure out you know how schmaltzy you <laughs> want to make it inside there uh -huh. we have like a sherlock themed room so i'd go in there and be like okay here we are in london and then i'd start talking in a british accent and i'm like yeah once we go through those doors it's we're in england now and i'm i'm british here you go <laughs> i love that yeah or i'm I'm not sure where sherlock went i i swear he's never here he's always late never pays his rent on time so and then the entire room is like him missing so <laughs> yeah absolutely in character 510 percent. it was mm -hmm. it's great lots of fun do you have to follow like a strict script uh kind of along the lines of like jungle cruise at disneyland or do they let you have like a lot of wiggle room with what you can say as long as you're giving out the directions yeah, it's because each, we have to be making sure that they know what they're doing when they go inside of the room and they're not going to hurt themselves or each other <laughs> when they're in there or hurt our room. So, you know, there are specific things that we have to say, but we're very encouraged to be like, be fun with it, be funny, make a joke. So it's like, it's almost like I'm doing a stand-up routine with these people every day <laughs> when I'm doing work. So it's like, um, and that's the best part is when you get the repertoire for the people, you know, especially if it's like a bunch of gamer nerds or enthusiasts and you're like, mm -hmm. you make a bunch of terrible puns about things or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be, it'd be more on the lines of like Jungle Cruise. There'd be certain spots where you would be absolutely doing those particular scripted moments but then there'd yeah. be the other spots where it's just like i'm gonna just do my own thing and hope that you understand what the heck i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah if you could this is a completely out of left field question but if you sure. could uh design any escape room yourself what kind would you design um i i i have a preference i have like a thing with horror themed stuff that's my kind of bread and butter in general so i'd love to do like an existential horror room where people like you would be like going in there and we would personalize it so much that it would feel like it's your own it's it's your own living haunted house oh my god I, yeah it's and i wanted to like have like it, there is a way where you could like personalize it to a certain extent but if i if money was no object i wanted to have like a point where you think that all of a sudden you're outside 
for no reason and it's just like or like and everything that's not supposed to be scary is suddenly scary like a bright white light and like mm-hmm. horrible sound effects and things like that i want people to be like horribly disturbed when they leave <laughs> oh my god you know what could be a part of this <laughs> so like if uh, as you've said like if money was no object Let's mm-hmm. just say that this is like a very like this is an expensive escape room. Oh, totally. Yeah. In order to properly personalize the horror, you have to like someone comes in for a consultation yes. before they go to the escape room. You interview them, you like psychologically yes. study them, like what makes them tick. Maybe you go to their house and do like a home study where you're like, what is this person like? How do they like yes. their living quarters? Yes. And then you completely design a room for that person that own like just based off of their personal fears and like exactly and here's the part that's like really terrifying is that it's almost been done already Mm -hmm. where it's uh i got the idea off of a like an art experimental thing that they do every halloween in la and it turned it didn't it was it's not a haunt anymore it's like a this art piece, this visceral, crazy, like uh, existential craziness. But uh-huh. I love that stuff, you know? So I want it, the technology is there. I feel like I could do it, but I would need like, I would need so much money. <laughs> it would be so expensive to do, but damn, would that be cool. Oh, so many people would be so down for that. I That'd just, be terrifying. Mm, I love it. And it would be like, you don't know why it's terrifying. You're like, I don't know why this is so scary, but I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> People are listening to us like planning to like ruin lives right now. <laughs> and then we get, they would never sleep again. Yes. <laughs> and you don't know who to trust, right? And we get your family. Like, <laughs> I was thinking about like recording people's families. <gasps> uh, like the Jabberjays from a... Uh, catching fire this is yes yes <laughs> but like uh the one of the concept is i want there to be just a room of mirrors of like different framed mirrors and like your family being interviewed and asking really embarrassing horrible questions oh about it and being played as you're running through the solo mirrors because you know i've had nightmares like that <laughs> <laughs> we we really want this to mess people up psychologically yes that's the perfect yes. escape room. Sounds like a night of fun. <laughs> Bring a date. Perfect first date idea. <laughs> I'd like to invite you into a room of horror designed specifically for you. <laughs> Makes you feel alive, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's oh why people God. go to these things. Like that's why people go to stuff like the LARPs and the improv and the whatever because it makes you feel for just like five, even just five minutes of being able to step outside of what you are and and then make you think about like life in general and what it is to be a human and to be yourself i mean at least that's how i've always pictured it you know it's yeah it all kind of goes hand in hand with it the experience (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) not to be existential and philosophical here (laughs) you're totally right that's beautiful (laughs) you're a poet girl (laughs) i'm a poet (laughs) Well, that seems like a great place for us to stop. Um, this was really, really interesting. Yay. And it was very fun to talk to you because I love talking to you and I always miss it when we're apart. I haven't seen you in so long. It's been forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, Jana. Thank you for having me, Chloe. You're amazing and I miss you terribly. We really do need to hang out more. Absolutely. I'll have yeah. to... I'll have to come to an escape room that you've designed specifically for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I know, hopefully. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, I will be linking, or Jana, I guess I'll edit this out if you say no, but are you okay with me linking your social media or would you rather? I'm really, I really don't have any, so (laughs) you could if you want, but I mean, I don't have like, I have like an Instagram, but if you want to, promote my dog's Instagram, please. They need more followers. I will leave, I'll leave Jana's dog's Instagram below for you guys to follow. And if you want to follow these, yeah, (laughs) after that disturbing conversation and check out her dog, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs)
<laughs> my dog is adorable. I don't remember what I'm, I don't like being pretty. So I just post a bunch of pictures of my dog. So follow my dog on Instagram. Follow the dog. Follow the podcast at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez. Follow my personal Instagram at Cuckoo for Clo-Clo Puffs. I'm, I'm not ashamed at all to say that username out loud. That username I created when I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> We all have things we regret, Chloe. It's okay. Oh, woo! This is a total side tangent. I used to have a, a Club Penguin account, and my Club Penguin was named Carl's Junior Lover Forever. And lover was spelled <laughs> was spelled L-U-V-R. Oh, my God. Actually, I think it was Carl's Junior 101. I think it was Carl's Junior Lover 101. Now that oh, I I really shouldn't complain considering my freaking email for years was Potter Girl for Life. <laughs> and now you guys know us just a little bit more. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs>